The story goes on. Peter continues his sermon to the people, and then he gets hauled in by the priests, the captains of the temple, the Sadducees. Acts 4, page 887. You're going to want to have this out and open as we look at it tonight. So the setup is that they've healed this beggar in the temple courts. They've started to preach about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the difference that it makes. And then this is what happened to them. Acts chapter 4. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came to them much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who is sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the men who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what do we do with them? It's obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We can't deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let's warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened because, get this, the man on whom this sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. Wow. Speaking as a 40-year-old, I find that very moving. <laughs> so why did Peter and John get arrested? Why did they get arrested? They hadn't broken any temple laws. They hadn't tried to drag a Gentile into the inner courts. They hadn't attempted to sacrifice a pig on the altar. They hadn't broken any kosher rules. They had broken none of the written laws of the temple. But they broke 
one of the big unwritten laws of the temple, which was do not tick off the people who are in charge of the temple. Because these are the people who come to get them, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees. Now, the priests obviously are in charge of what's happening. They're on a, a rotation basis, and they're running the sacrifices. They're doing the liturgies. They're organizing the choirs. They're doing all the stuff that priests do. They find that like 5,000 people are over at the gate, kind of gathered around. What's going on over there? The captain of the temple guard is the head of a guard that was stationed just in the temple. Special priests assigned to be part of the temple guard. They worked with Roman soldiers, but Roman soldiers were not allowed in. So this is the captain of the temple guard. He's supposed to, you know, keep order in the house. He's just annoyed by crowd control. And then you've got the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were a sect of Judaism, like the Pharisees were a sect of Judaism. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were completely opposed to each other. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed in the afterlife. And they believed that it was their job to keep Judaism pure. They didn't want to sell out. They didn't want to co-opt the things in their culture because that had gotten them into a lot of trouble in the past called exile. Babylon, heard of it. Don't want to do that again. So the Pharisees are very intentional on keeping their Jewish lives pure. Most of the Pharisees live up north around Galilee. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in an afterlife. And they very much like power. So whoever gets to conquer this area of the world next, the Sadducees buddy up to them. First, they buddy up to the Greeks. For a long time, they're friends with the Greeks. And then uh, the Greeks get ridden out of town, and then the Romans take over, so the Sadducees become friends with the Romans. Whoever is in charge, the Sadducees pal up to them. And they don't just pal up to them, like they adopt their customs so that the Greeks or the Romans won't think that they're strange, odd, funny little group of people. And so what you have is the Pharisees think the Sadducees are sellouts, and the Sadducees think the Pharisees are just backwater, uneducated, silly, powerless. So, the Sadducees hear that there are some of these backwater, uneducated people standing in their temple talking about the resurrection. And they are much annoyed. <laughs> they are much annoyed. This is our house. No talk about resurrection in here. So they go down and they check it out. And what they find is that it's worse than they thought. Because Peter and John have healed this guy that they all know. They healed that guy. You know, the guy who was always at the beautiful gate, who was always like, alms, alms for the poor, have mercy on me, alms for the... That guy who was always there, they walked by him when they went into temple, they walked by him when they left the temple. They'd seen him in his old robes, they'd seen him in his weary state. They knew this guy. It's not like Peter and John had, you know, dragged somebody down from Galilee and said, this guy, we healed this guy, and tried to convince everybody. 
No, they healed the guy who was always there, the guy that they knew. Luke says that everybody recognizes him, and everyone's like, wow, they healed the guy. Is that the guy? I think that's the guy. I think they healed the guy. (laughs) So the Sadducees and the priests and the temple guard get down, and they realize, oh, man, they've healed this guy. Hmm. And they're talking about resurrection. Hmm. The Sadducees start to put it together that they're in a little bit of trouble. Because what Peter has been saying, if you look in the middle of chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is, Jesus, who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. See, now that's trouble language. Because Peter and John aren't just talking about the resurrection like it was a nice thing that happened a few weeks ago and we should all look back and remember it fondly. They are saying that the resurrection has started a movement. And that's where the Sadducees get anxious. Some of you have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or you've seen the movie enough to know that at the beginning of the story, the land of Narnia is covered with snow. It is locked in the embrace of winter. But it's a winter without hope because as it says in the book, it's always winter and never Christmas. Which is about what it feels like outside right now. (laughs) It's cold all the time and it's cloudy all the time and they have to layer up to go outside all the time and there's no hope for anything at all. And then, people start to say these things about Aslan. Aslan, the great lion. Aslan, the mortal enemy of the white witch who has put the spell on the land to make it winter all the time, never Christmas. People start to say that Aslan may be doing something. Aslan may be coming back. And then they notice. The snow is starting to melt, and... There are buds just coming out on the trees and the little crocuses are popping up from their hiding places and then people start to say this, Aslan is on the move. Aslan is on the move. Aslan is on the move. And it brings hope through Narnia that Aslan is on the move. Here in Acts 4, Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. Things are happening here. Universal restoration, says Peter. Resurrection as a movement, not as a concept, not as a theological thing that you debate. Resurrection as the beginning of a movement of God. And there were people who were being affected by the movement who did not have power. Dead people do not have power. They can't vote. They can't go to worship. They can't even order lunch. Dead people have no power. 
You know who's just slightly higher than dead people? Crippled beggars. Crippled beggars have no power. They have no ability to work. No one's going to marry them. They have no hope. They have no future. They have no job. They have no family. They've been rejected. They're at the temple gates because that's all they have. You know who else doesn't have power? Yahoo's from Galilee. Yahoo's from Galilee don't know the inner workings of the politics of Jerusalem. They don't know who to bribe about this, who you got to talk to about that. So the Sadducees realize that what's going on here is you've got a lame man dancing because the uneducated guy told him to do it in the name of the dead guy. <laughs> and that's a problem. And we read this story like we watch the movie and we cheer on our heroes while we chew on our popcorn and we say, yeah, Peter, yeah! Speak truth to power, Peter! Yes! That's what you got to do. Get right up in their grill, Peter. Get right up in their face, Peter. Yeah, tell them, Peter. Yeah, look out, you people. <laughs> look out, you people who think you got it all together. Look out, you people who like your life planned. Look out, your people who are hungry for power. Look out, your people who are hung up on stature. Look out, you people, because it's coming. Aslan is on the move. Look out. Look out. Look out. Look out, you people. who put all your stock in your GPA. Look out, you people who look down on anybody who has to use student academic services. Look out, you people who are trying to get into only the best graduate schools, who are trying to plan the perfect wedding, who are trying to find the best possible job after graduation, who are trying to make your life decent, in good order, planned, look out. Look out. Because the power structures that exist today are the same power structures that existed back then, and they are just as seductive. If only I get this, ha, 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 then I will have made it. If only I get into the nursing program, then, aha, my life is set. If only I get this scholarship, then, whew, I'm ready to go. If only I get into that graduate school, if only I meet this life partner, if only this happens, then my life will be complete. College diploma, check. Decent job with a decent wage, check. Life partner, check. And resurrection becomes something in a long line of the things that we check off. The end of life, resurrection, check. Because there's something really annoying about resurrection. You have to die in order to experience it. What are you living for? 
the Sadducees, the priests, they were all living for power, living for structure, living to keep things contained. They were living for those things. They were holding on to them so tightly that when a movement of God started sweeping across the temple courts where they professed to worship that God all the time, when the movement of God swept across the courts of the temple, they, like the white witch toward Aslan, wanted to contain it and limit its movement. Don't say anything about this to anybody. Don't talk about it. Don't start saying anything about that name. You should be quiet now. You should be quiet. But Peter, (laughs) Peter knew what it was like to die. Because just a few weeks before, these very people had gathered around his beloved rabbi and condemned him. And Peter stood out in the courtyard and turned away. Peter knew what it was like to die. And Peter knew what it was like to be raised to life. Peter knew what it was like to have Jesus turn to him and say, you're forgiven. Go feed my sheep. It wasn't just forgiven, suck it up, try to get a fifth seat on the bus. It's forgiven, go feed my sheep. Forgiven, go do this, go proclaim, you've got a mission, do it. So Peter stands before the council full of the Holy Spirit and he says, no way. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. You think I'm going to listen to you people over God? I've been raised. I was dead in my sin. I denied Jesus. I turned away from him. I was living for my own ego. I was living for my own pride. I was living to protect myself. And Jesus reached out toward me and raised me up by my right hand so I stand before you whole. You think I'm going to stop speaking about Jesus? Here's what's annoying about people who've been resurrected. They can't shut up. They can't shut up. Can't do it. Not going to happen. You want me to ever shut up about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Because my life has been raised. God has done great things for me, and I am full of praise. You think I'm going to shut up about the gospel of Jesus Christ? I was dead. And I'm alive again. I was lost. And I'm found. We will not stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We will not stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. In fact, there's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. Who do you know who needs to die and rise? Who do you know 
who needs to hear from you about what it's like to die and rise? Who do you know who needs to hear from you about what you have seen and heard? Who do you know? Is there a roommate who won't come with you to loft, won't go to chapel, isn't interested in it? Is there a parent who isn't sure why you came to this Christian college? Who do you know? Tonight, we're going to invite you to write that person's name on one of these circles. Maybe it's your name. Maybe it's the name of so many gods placed on your heart right now that was a surprise to you. But you're going to write that name, and then you're going to take a candle and put it in, and you're going to come and light the candle and go back to your seat, and for the rest of the worship, hold that candle up as a reminder that we can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that resurrection power flows through us, through the Holy Spirit, and that any fear you have right now about thinking, I can't talk to that person, I just don't even know where to begin. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, just as Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit. You don't go into any of these conversations by yourself, and God doesn't speak to you all by yourself. You are part of a community of people who got your back on this. Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. God is on the move here in this place, speaking to you, stirring you up, giving you a name, raising you from death to life. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Will you pray with me? God, it's easy for us to think that Peter was somebody very unlike us. But the truth is, he was just like us. Because just like we do, he knew what it was like to deny Jesus. And just as Jesus turned toward him and raised him up, Jesus turns toward us and raises us up from death to life, from false promises to truth, from greed to generosity, from silence to speech. Lord, as we come forward and as we write these names and as we lift up our candles and take them with us into the night, Lord, we pray that we will see your resurrection power going ahead of us, that the movement of restoration will find us and send us and fill us. Lord, speak to us so that we may speak about what we have seen and heard 
We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And all God's people say, Amen.